Thank you so much for being here. You guys could be a lot of different places and you're choosing to be here. Whether this is your first time or your hundredth time, we're thrilled that you would join us. Um, so we're going to jump into Psalm 13. And if you were here last week, you, uh, you remember potentially, um, if the, you remember that we started a series on prayer. And last week we talked about kind of the foundations of prayer. What is, what is prayer? Um, what is it based off of? And something that we're going to be talking about tonight, we don't talk much about in the church. Um, tonight we're going to be teaching about prayers of lament. So lament is not a word that we often use and is most likely unfamiliar to us. Um, if we, even if we have a context for what lamenting is, we usually equate it to like crying and weeping because of sorrow, pain, grief, or loss. And this can be a part of how we lament, but it goes deeper than that. Crying over, over pain is distinctly human, but lamenting is distinctly Christian. So the foundation text for prayers of lament that we're going to be looking at tonight is Psalm 13. Um, the writer of this psalm is a guy named David. Um, he was king over the nation of Israel from about 1010 to 970 BC. Um, based on this psalm, you will notice that David wasn't necessarily in the most joyful season of his life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to stand together. I'm going to read Psalm 113 from the New International Version. So if you wouldn't mind standing with me, um, we are going to read Psalm 13. Um, also, if you would like to have a paper Bible and you um, don't have a paper Bible, we have, I think, three paper Bibles on that back table. If you want one, feel free to grab it, take it home with you free of charge. Psalm 13, verse 1 says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You can tell that David's uh, probably not in the best uh, emotional state right there. But if you look at the most basic level of what the psalmist is saying, we've all been there. On that basic level, we've all found ourselves in a situation where we are begging for it to be over. Without even thinking very hard, uh, I can imagine that there's a, a few situations that you could think of that you were asking to be removed from. Um, anyone who does chores at their house, you can never wait for that, to, or you, you always are waiting for that to be over. Your homework, just begging for the homework to end. Uh, family get-togethers. What are some other things that you guys are maybe asking, how long do we have to be here? How long is this going to last? And you're just in agony trying to, yeah, Kaylee. Grocery shopping. Yes. Okay, Jaden. Babysitting. Yes. Babysitting your younger siblings. Why are you going to be like that, Logan? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, dude. Yeah, Micah. Clo oh, yeah. That can be pretty brutal. Anna. Mm, mm. Yeah, but if, yeah, if you can hit up those samples, that middle section of Costco, man, it's a wonderland. 
It's pretty incredible. There's pretzel nuggets in there. Peanut butter pretzel nuggets. <sighs> so good. Going to Costco on Friday. I'm really excited. Yeah, dude. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Hot. Yeah, it does feel really good sometimes. Um, how many cold shit? Is there any cold shower people here? Okay, Joey. Joey, I see you. I see you. Josiah-ish. Anyways. How many burn your skin people do we have? <laughs> yeah. I like to be right in the middle. <laughs> right, right. Just that, that nice comfort level. Ooh, yeah. I just like to, sometimes you blast yourself at the very end. You're like, ah, I'm ready to go. All right. But it's funny how you look at Psalm 13. You look at the deep um, anguish, the emotion that David is feeling. And yes, we can have these silly examples of just asking our parents, people like, how long do we have to endure this? But if you take it deeper, the passion and emotion expect, expressed in this passage cuts a little bit deeper. So as I was thinking about this, what are some of the deeper things in life and the deeper questions that we might be asking? Maybe you are asking some of these questions. How long will I be made fun of? Was my parents' divorce my fault? How long will I wait to find someone who wants me? How long will lust and pornography control me? How long will I feel depressed, anxious, or suicidal? How long will God feel distant? How long will evil prevail? How, when will there be justice? And these are real things that, that you may be feeling. And maybe these are questions that you're asking on a daily basis. Some have been asking these questions for years. Maybe some of you have just recently begun asking these questions. This pain and suffering is a part of our world because of sin. And it's part of the reality that we face daily. Even if we understand and know why our world is broken, evil, and messed up, it still doesn't take away the pain that we experience when we're in the midst of a difficult situation. Even though we may know why there are sicknesses that take people's lives, why people may have hatred for another person because of their skin color or their orientation, or why we struggle with mental illness, we might understand, we realize that it's sin and we live in a broken world, but at the same time, it still doesn't take away the fact that there is real pain that we experience on a daily basis. And the writer of the psalm we read was experiencing this same type of deep pain and sorrow. So, young person, know that you are at home with the psalmist. And he may not have been writing specifically about the things that we mentioned or the things that you are specifically walking through, but the root of those things are the same. And so the question that needs to be asked is, are those feelings okay? And how does one deal with those feelings? So let's begin to unpack these few verses in Psalm 13 and, and begin to uncover what the psalmist says and what that means for us. So I used a word in the introduction of this sermon um, that you may be unfamiliar with, and the term is laments. Just by a show of hands, how many of you guys before today have ever heard the word lament? Okay, so a decent majority of us. How many of you guys, just by a show of hands, understand and know what lamenting means? Okay, so there's just a few of you guys. Awesome. So I'm going to explain what lament is and what it means to lament something at a very basic level, and then we're going to dive a little bit deeper. 
A lament is a form of prayer. It is more than just the expression of sorrow or the venting of emotion. Lament talks to God about pain, and it has a unique purpose, trust. It is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, frustrations, and sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. Another person, Neil Woolard, said this in an article. He said, lament gives us the opportunity to face and name our pain and then to create space for future hope, all without glossing over the tragedy. And the Bible gives space for God's people to do this. So if we are to summarize what this kind of basic um, definition of lament is, we could say this, lament gives a voice to the sufferer. And the Bible is full of lament. About one-third or about 50-ish of the Psalms um, are songs and poems and prayers of lament. The book of Lamentations mourns and laments the destruction of Jerusalem because of their sin against God. Jesus lamented in the final hours of his life before being crucified. And if you were here a couple weeks ago, you were here when we, we preached about that in Mark 14 and 15. But when you read a psalm of lament or a prayer of lament, you will notice four key elements. And I want you to, I want you to get this. The, the, the person who is lamenting, they turn to God, they bring their complaints, they ask boldly for help, and they choose to trust. So if you look at lamenting in the Bible, these are the four elements that you will see. The person turns to God, they bring their complaint to God, they ask God boldly for help, and they choose to trust. So let's unpack these four elements of Psalm 13. So the first one, turn to God. We see this in verse 1. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So this first element of lament is present in David's choice to directly express his pain to God. So biblical lament is to recognize the pain and go to the one who is above all those things. Mark, uh, his last name starts with a V. I don't really know how to pronounce it. He says, laments turn toward God when sorrow tempts you to run from him. So the second, the second avenue is, or second element is bringing your complaint. We see that in verse 2 of Psalm 13. It says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? So prayers of lament honestly recognize and name the things that are frustrating, angering, and causing pain. And so for David in Psalm 13, it was his thoughts, it was sorrow, and it was his enemies that were causing these things and causing these emotions. So David felt as if God had abandoned him and was not near and was not present to him. And we know this is not true, and we, but we, we can know that God is near to us in the midst of pain. But that doesn't negate the fact that sometimes it feels like God is far so the third element, ask boldly for help. Where do we see that in Psalm 13? We see it in verses 3 through 4. Look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. So David is asking God for help. He says, could you answer me? In verse 3, could you show me what I'm not seeing? Verse 3, my pain clouds my vision and I need to see clearly. 
So one writer encourages the believer in this way. It says, lament invites us to dare to hope in God's promises as we ask for his help. So we see that David is, he is turning to God. We see that he is bringing his complaint, that he is asking boldly for help. And then we see in verses five through six that he's choosing to trust in God. It says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Here's something that I want you to grab a hold of. The end game of lament is trust. The end goal of lament is trusting in God. It's to trust in the sovereignty and authority of God. Amid his pain, amid his suffering and his sorrow, David recognizes the unfailing love of God that has been present the whole time and has been present throughout his whole life. He finds his joy in the salvation of the Lord and his response to that hope is to sing praises to God. Neil Woolard, and later in the same article, would say this, rather than rushing to a resolution, a prayer of, of lament allows us to slow down and journey through the honest pain. It also gives us an opportunity to bring our grief to God, knowing that God who receives our praise can also handle our protests. And maybe you're this far into the sermon and you're like, Taylor, this all sounds really awesome, but um, does it actually work? Like, is this actually helpful? Yeah, turn to God, bring your complaint to him, ask boldly for help, choose to trust. And it seems so simple, but isn't life more complicated than that? Isn't life more messy than just these four elements of lament? And these are really great questions, to be honest with you. I'm asking the same questions myself. But to answer these questions, we have to continue to look to Scripture to find the answer. Because Scripture is littered with examples of men and women pouring out their hearts to God and in doing so found comfort in the fact that God is near. I've linked a few articles um, that dive a lot deeper into some of these examples, as well as further explanations of what it means to lament in the YouVersion um, notes. And so if you're not using the YouVersion notes, please do so. And please read these articles because they're really helpful. So here, what are some examples in Scripture? There's a guy named Job. Job was a man that in uh, Job 1, verse 1, it says he was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. And even though he was, he was upright, he was blameless, he feared God, Job lost everything. He lost his family, he lost his friends, he lost his home and his health, and he prayed prayers of lament and cried out to God many times asking God, why? Why is this happening? Why is this taking place? And amid his pain, Job clung to the sovereignty of God. Lamentations, I referenced it earlier. It's a book of the Bible and it's a collection of four memorial poems written to express the deep pain, sorrow, and suffering of the nation of Israel when God gave, gave them over to their passions and sin. This book gives a voice to their grief as individuals as, and corporately as a nation. It also gives voice to our grief but most importantly, it points us to Jesus, who is the one who bears our grief. 
Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 24, it says, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore, therefore I will wait for him. And the interesting thing about these two examples specifically, as well as Psalm 13, is a situation that caused the pain doesn't go away. And they still trust God. The person lamenting is still in the midst of their pain, and the avenue with which they submit those feelings to God is what gives them the perspective needed to trust the sovereignty of God again. Verse 5 states, but I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Job recognized and trusted God's sovereignty while he had nothing and didn't understand why this was happening to him. And it's one thing to recognize that lamenting over struggle and sorrow in this life as a Christian is a normal thing. But it's a whole nother thing to make it a rhythm. And why would that be the case? I think it's part of how we view pain and suffering in the Christian life. I think, we're, um, I think we're uncomfortable with pain. I think we're uncomfortable with sorrow. I think we're uncomfortable with grief. And when we're uncomfortable with something, we tend to shy away from it. And I think we shy away from lament because it feels like we're doubting God. It feels like we're questioning him. And it may also feel as if I'm lamenting is us voicing like a lack of faith. And if we express our sorrow, we're on a slippery slope to losing our salvation. I think this is some of the reasons why we, we don't process our emotions with God, where we don't view or we don't um, voice our pain. We don't voice our sufferings because we feel like I can't, I can't ask these questions. I can't doubt if I do these things, I'm questioning my faith and I'm going to lose my salvation. I'm going to do all these different things. And it's just like, ah, we can start freaking out. But what if I told you that didn't have to be the case? What if expressing lament is biblical and it's not you losing your faith or walking away from God? And the reason that I can say that is because of the way scripture views and how it shows people lamenting. It's viewed as a good and healthy thing. Michael Gunian um, said this about doubt. He says, doubt is not opposed to faith. Despair is. We see this in the case of the father who brought his son to Jesus for healing. When Jesus encouraged the father to have faith, he replied, I do believe, help my unbelief. Even Paul tells us that he was perplexed but not driven to despair. In despair, we give up on our relationship with God. Doubt, on the other hand, is a sign that our faith is alive and kicking. It is a part of the rhythm of faith itself. So prayers of lament give the believer space to express what they're feeling, but not allowing that pain to lead to bitterness or despair, but instead to a deeper trust in God. And here's a tension that we face as believers. We know the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive, and yet we still experience pain and sorrow. Lament is the language for living between the poles of a hard life and trusting in God's sovereignty. It's a prayer form for people who are waiting for the day Jesus will return and make everything right. Christians don't just mourn. We long for God to end the pain. 
And what we're going to do tonight, we're going to close just slightly differently than we normally would. We're still going to go into small groups, but before we go into small groups, I want us to spend about five to six minutes, and I want us to, be, want us to practice this rhythm of lament. So what we're going to do is you'll see these, these two stations right here. There's, oh, there's pink paper over here. Nice. Um, there are pieces of paper, and there are pens. So what we're going to do in just a few moments um, when, I, when I pray and conclude, um, we are going to just think of something maybe that we are processing, that it's painful. Maybe we're feeling um, deep like feelings of anxiousness or depression, whatever the case may be. What I want you to do is I want you to, to use these four elements of lament in Scripture to write out a prayer of, of lament to God. Remembering those four elements are turn to God to bring your complaint, ask boldly for help, and choose to trust. And to help just kind of give a model of this, I want to read you a prayer of lament that was written by a pastor grieving the loss of a young adult in his church who died of cancer. And reading this prayer helped me have a clearer framework of what it means to lament. So I want to read this for you. Um, it's going to be on the screen as well. The morning after Tyler passed, I woke up early and wrote a lament. It was what my heart needed. I was really sad, and yet I knew that God is good. When I'm stuck between my tears and what I believe, lament is the language I need. Here's his prayer of lament. O oh Lord, we turn to you on this hard and painful day. We look to you, the author of life and the giver of grace, because our hearts are broken with grief. A young man so full of life and joy is gone. We grieve the loss of Tyler. How long, O oh Lord, must cancer steal our loved ones away? This evil disease doesn't fit within your goodness. It mars, destroys, and kills. We hate its presence in the world. Lord, we prayed for healing. And your answer is hard to accept. We watched our friend and brother persevere. 20 years doesn't seem long enough for Tyler. We long for the day when this disease is no longer a part of our vocabulary or our prayers. We'd rather have a different ending to this story. Yet we know what you have. We know that you have purposes beyond what we can see. We witnessed glimpses of your pain in the meteoric rise of Tyler's story. We marvel that the favor and the kindness showed upon him through his journey. We rejoiced at the platform you gave him to share his faith in Jesus. Lord, we ask you to bring comfort to Tyler's family. They've walked beside him through this journey. They need your grace both now and in the months and years to come. We pray for wisdom and creativity for those researching the treatment for Tyler's cancer. We ask that his donated tumor and the money raised might yield life-saving options for future cancer patients. Would you heal many from Tyler's death? But even more, Jesus, we ask for your name to be lifted high through Tyler's life. You were the bedrock of his strength. You were the one who captivated his heart and gave him hope as his physical strength declined. We pray that thousands, even millions of people will be led to the kind of relationship that Tyler shared with you. On this hard day, O oh Lord, we choose to trust you. We believe you, are, you have ordained eternal purposes that we can't see right now. We believe you gave Tyler every grace he needed to persevere. We believe Jesus rose from the dead so that one day our tears will be wiped away once and for all. Through our pain and questions, we rest our hope in the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he live. 
We know this was the strength that made Tyler strong. We saw it. Tyler lived it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you remember anything from last week, you'll remember that it's not the length of your prayers that make them effective. It's the heart behind your prayers. It's not the length of the words. It's not the word count of your prayers. It's the heart and the intention behind your prayers. While this, this prayer of lament is, you know, paragraphs and paragraphs long. Maybe your paragraph is ten sentences. Maybe your prayer of lament tonight is maybe six sentences, three sentences. I don't know what it's going to be. But what I do hope and pray is that it gives you a framework to voice your pain. To voice those things to God, but also to trust his sovereignty. I want to leave you with a, with a big idea. It says, prayers of lament are biblical and healthy ways for the believer to process grief, sorrow, and pain. So I'm going to pray. And then in a very orderly and quiet and respectful fashion, we are going to come up, grab a piece of paper, grab a pen, and I want you to find a place in this room um, to quietly be by yourself. We're going to play some really soft music, and we're going to give you about six minutes to begin to process and begin to write this prayer of lament. God, we thank you so much. God, we thank you that you are not um, intimidated by our pain that you're not pushed away by the things that are grieving us, that you don't, you don't leave us when we have doubts. God, you are right there in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our sorrow, in the midst of our loss. God, would you help us to recognize that? Would you help us to remember that, yes, Jesus is alive, that he is resurrected, that he has overcome sin and death forever. But, but once in the future, when he comes again, all of those things will be wiped away. But God, we're living in a broken world right now. And God, we need your power. We need your strength to walk through those things. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to do those things. So Lord, I pray for us as a, as a Bethel youth family, as we begin to process our pain and our grief, that you would give us the words to express the things that we're feeling. And I pray that the end result of these things would be that we would have a deeper trust in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you would like to, please come up to the front, um, grab a piece of paper. Maybe you want to write your, your prayer in um, your own journal or maybe in the notes app on your phone. I would just ask that um, you be respectful of the people around you. Let's not have conversations. This is the time for you um, and God to be writing these things down. So let's grab a piece of paper and a pen spread out throughout the room. In about five minutes, we will um, uh, go to our small groups.